had a brother that passed away when I was 11 years old. Oh, man. I learned at an early age, very young, that life is very, very fragile, that you get one chance at life. And this whole kind of sports path that I've been on, for me, it was about wanting to make him proud. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Awesome. Well, our guest today has a job that, well, I mean, I think everyone in the city is probably pretty jealous of. Jason Booker, he's the Senior Director of Corporate Partnerships and Broadcast Sales for your Kansas City Royals. He's been with the Royals since 2014. So we certainly can't wait to ask him about those two World Series runs um, and the future World Series runs that are coming. Prior to that, he was the general manager for Jayhawk IMG Sports Marketing. We won't hold that against him as a Mizzou grad, right, Jason? Uh, Yeah, it was funny when I was driving up here to downtown Liberty, I saw Kansas Avenue over here, which I thought was kind of ironic right around the corner that you'd have a street named after Kansas in the middle of Liberty. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And prior to that, he had stints at South Carolina, Oklahoma, TCU. He certainly knows a thing or two about sports marketing. But beyond the work stuff in the community here in Kansas City, Jason serves on the Kansas City Alumni Association Board for the University of Kansas. He serves on the Board of Directors for the KU Sports Management Program, as well as the Board of Directors for the Kansas City Sports Commission, which has had its own busy stretch here in the last several years. Um, But certainly, last but not least, is his family, Jason and his wife, Susan, how many years have y'all been married, Jason? Uh, 17. We've Ooh. known each other for 23. How about that? So, yeah. What's the secret, bro? 17 years. 17 years. Um, nod your head a lot. <laughs> Just say yes. And uh, as we say, you know, every every uh, year we have our anniversary, we're like, it's survive in advance. Right? <laughs> um, we, we say that jokingly, but, um, you know, I think our foundation, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but our foundation was really built around friendship and had a lot of mutual friends. And so that's really kind of where our relationship started. So good, man. So good. Brooke and I are coming up on 17. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, follow in your in your footsteps here for a while for sure and also as a KU grad he reminded us that he lives in Olathe with their daughter Ava who is 11 is that right yep Ava's 11 middle school love it man sixth grade yeah two weeks into middle school how about that that's awesome so he certainly has a full plate but man Jason welcome to the show we're super glad you're here bro yeah thanks for having me I'm excited to talk a little sports marketing and uh, really cool to see uh, downtown Liberty. Hadn't spent time here, so really cool space. Yeah, thanks, man. We, we're super glad to have you here. So wind us back. I mean, um, I think I remember a little bit of the story, but you and I go back to the days of Learfield. Is that right? Is that yeah. how we first met? Yeah, I think so. You were at Mizzou and I was at KU and that was back when uh, we were still playing each other. And people ask me quite often, you know, do you wish the rivalry was still there? And absolutely. Oh, um, come on, man. Know, Who we, wouldn't? We, uh, we all missed those days. And, uh, you know, number one, number two in the country when we played, you know, Border War in 2007. Um, playing to, you know, who was had the right to maybe play in the national championship, right. which was crazy to think that that was, you know, a little over 12 years ago. But, um, yeah, I uh, have you know, my background. I spent 16 years in college sports before coming to the Royals. And um, Learfield was really the place where 
I kind of started the foundation of my sales process of wanting to work in the corporate partnership world and corporate partnership environment and um, being around Clyde and Roger and the leaders in that organization um, really set a foundation for my career. That's awesome. That's super cool. So, so wind us kind of through, you know, the, everybody's path is, is not a straight line, right? It's a little bit windy, but walk us through from a career standpoint, just generally those 16 years, how you got into sports, like what was kind of the driving factor. Um, and then, man, you've had a lot of, a lot of stops along the way. So what were some of the key components of success that, what, that motivated you and got you to where you are today? Yeah, I think for me, sports has always been, you know, foundation of, um, of my life. You know, I grew up playing um, little wise guys, soccer, YMCA, and it's oh. very different now. My, my daughter plays club soccer here in Kansas City, very different environment from oh, yeah. what I grew up in, in Hutchinson, Kansas. Um, but I think I always, I figured I wanted to find a way to make sports a part of my life permanently. Mm. And I, KU had a sports management program, so I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do early on. Mm. Um, when I was a freshman in college, I started looking at, you know, business and, and I just said, gosh, there's a sports management program and I could, you know, go work for the Royals or the Chiefs or KU or, and get to go and enjoy do, doing something every day. And I got a lot of good advice early on, you know, um, that if you can find something that you're passionate mm -hmm. about and you enjoy doing, you don't really ever work a day in your life. And I do Love feel it. that way about going to work every day, especially now, you know, uh, driving into Kauffman Stadium every day. Sometimes you kind of have to pinch yourself that, oh. hey, this is what I get to do. Um, I was uh, speaking to a group of um, Dayton Moore's got a foundation and as a part of that I see you in the major leagues foundation they have a C10 mentoring group mm. so they have 10 kids that they've um, aligned with mentors and they do different things throughout the year and yesterday they brought them out to the K and we got to speak and I was telling the story I've got this picture on my desk of Mark Gubaza and I with matching mullets Gooby. yeah back <laughs> in the day mullets. autograph day it's it's a it's a beaut um and so, you know, I have that sitting on my desk to just remind myself of what I get to do every day. Um, that, that, what would that kid at 11 mm. years old at autograph day think of my office being in Kauffman Stadium um, and getting to work, you know, for an organization that I, you know, grew up, you know, driving that three hour pilgrimage from Hutchinson, Kansas to go watch games once a year. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. So we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the Royals a little bit, but tell us, so wh where was your first, what was your first gig in the sports world? Like after the KU management deal, like how'd you get into it? Yeah. So actually I started interning at KU my sophomore year of college. Um, I was the, um, I guess I was in charge of bringing in guest speakers to our fraternity. Okay. And I had this big goal of like, I'm going to get Roy Williams to come and speak to our fraternity at dinner, you know? So I wrote him this letter and said, Hey, we'd love to have you come speak to our guys, not knowing at 19 or 20 that <laughs> Roy Williams has got a lot, <laughs> probably better things to do than come to speak of a, uh, to a group of guys at dinner. But he had passed along um, my letter to Amy Perko, who was the senior women's administrator at the time. She cool. worked for the NCA for a long time. So she actually came and spoke um, at dinner one night, and I thought that was really cool that she was willing to come and speak to fraternity. You know, she oversaw the women's sports, but probably saw it as an opportunity to help promote uh, women's athletics. And I remember talking to her before the dinner, and she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I started going down this path. I'm just getting into sports management. And she's like, you need to come intern in the athletic department. Awesome. So um, just a weird chance, you know, I send a letter to Roy, awesome. it gets passed on to Amy Perko. She says, you should come intern in athletics. And then three weeks later, I'm, you know, rolling t-shirts for volleyball games and, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of going down that path. And so that's really where, where I started, but um, enjoyed just the relationships. I wasn't good enough to play division one athletics, maybe had an opportunity either, to play bro. small, small college sports, but decided to just go do the big school thing. And so that was a chance for me to, to be engaged in athletics. And I thought, what a cool job. And I looked at my boss 
bosses mm-hmm. at the time. And I'm like, you guys get to come to Allen Fieldhouse every day and, and do this. And so that kind of started me, you know, on my path. From there, I interned with uh, RHB Ventures right out of college in Philadelphia. So I worked for the Senior Tennis Tour. Okay. So we managed the event operations for the tournaments that uh, McEnroe, Connors, Beyond Borg, that group all played in, uh, which I thought was kind of cool that, you know, growing up watching John McEnroe and Connors, and I was in charge of our Dallas event for PR and operations, which was a lot of fun. Um, So I did that and then um, decided I was dating my now wife at the time, uh, Susan, and decided I wanted to move back to Kansas City. Um, at that point, I was kind of like not sure where I was going to go. Let's be I started, clear. Did she want to move back to Kansas City, or did you want to move back to Kansas well, City? Well, so I was in Philadelphia by myself. Got it, got and it, got she it. she was okay. in Kansas City. Yep. And so that lure of, you know, um, obviously we'd been dating for quite a while, and you kind of thought, okay, maybe this might be, you know, something a little more serious. But I thought, let me, I'm going to move back to Kansas City, kind of regroup, see what I wanted to do. Right. I started reaching out, calling, you know, Chiefs, Royals, all the usual people that you would think of you know, okay, where am I going to work in sports? Yeah. Had some, you know, decent connections. And, um, but at the time, you know, as you know, there's only so many jobs that open up, um, in, in this business in particular Mm -hmm. in sponsorship and marketing. So Mm -hmm. I had, um, a couple of my mentors at KU that that went to grad school at Wichita state. So they reached out on my behalf at Wichita state. So I decided to go back to grad school. Very humbling experience because all of my buddies were working at Cerner or, you know, Ernst and Young and they were making money and they were getting ready to buy houses and, you know, they were driving nice cars. I'm like, man, this is, you know, (laughs) Susan's like, wait a minute. Yeah. What am I doing here? (laughs) So, um, I decided, I just took a step back and said, you know, if this is something I'm really passionate about and what I want to go and do, then this is, you know, the path for me. So I moved to my parents' basement in Wichita went to grad school at night, worked in the athletic department all day. So I was working, you know, sometimes 50, 60 hours a week with events mm-hmm. and then going to you know, grad school at night. Um, but was the best experience and the best decision I ever made. I met some unbelievable people. Jason Kramer, who's on our staff nice. at the Royals. Yeah. Uh, we were in grad school together. We joked that we had uh, a shared office, a shared phone line in the mail room at Wichita State. That's amazing. So people would walk in and get their mail, like coaches and everything. Our offices were in the corner of the mail room. <laughs> we shared a phone and we had the same first name. So you could imagine like when we're hey, you know, outbound <laughs> calls to try and, you know, sell sponsorships and, and marketing uh, opportunities that um, it was it was pretty unique. But I remember it was, I think, my third or fourth day on the job. And my boss was basically just like, here's the phone book, you know, start calling people. We need to see if we can get some some sponsorship. Um, you know, we, that was actually coach Turgeon's first year, Mark Turgeon's KU connection there, which was a lot of fun. And Tad Boyle was on that staff who's now at Colorado. So that was, um, that year I got to basically be in charge of men's basketball marketing and work with those two and sell sponsorships. And I remember one of the first calls I went out on was Yaya's Euro Bistro. It's a restaurant in Wichita and, you know, I'm 23, maybe, maybe 23, 22 years old and making a cold call, and I'm trying to go out and sell, you know, promotions at halftime, and, you know, we're going to do bounce-back coupons at a game and all this stuff, and long story short, I ended up getting a $30,000 sponsorship deal done um, that next week, and I sat in my car, and I'm like, I'm making like $6,000 a year as a GA. <laughs> like I just made Wichita State $30,000 in sponsorship. I was like, and that really kind of started it for me where it fueled yeah. the chase, and I loved that, you know, sitting in meetings and finding real um, marketing strategies, working with the restaurant of how can we get people into your mm-hmm. restaurant? How can you associate yourself with a brand like Wichita State in Wichita? A lot of enthusiasm around the basketball program at the time. 
And that's when I got hooked. I was like, awesome. this is what I want to do. I want to help people's business. I want to drive revenue for organizations and I want to help, um, you know, extend the brand of, you know, the athletic department, you know, that I'm working for. So good. That's so good. And I think there's, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm an old guy now, but I think there's this, this hesitancy around learning how to sell. I, I don't know, man. I, I, you see a lot more in the, the folks that you're hiring on, on your team, but tell me about that foundational desire. And cause I, I, again, I think sales has this kind of stigma to it. Um, but tell me about the importance of learning how to sell, learning how to listen, learning how to be a consultant. Again, back to the back to the Learfield days around um, consultative selling and yeah. Greg Bennett and all the stuff that he taught us. Right, like right. How, how has how has that lesson kind of transformed your career? I think it's been everything. Um, I think in this business, uh, in Kansas City is a big, small town, right? So relationships mean everything. Your personal brand means everything. Yeah, so I never really looked at it as, you know, sales or, you know, some people say used car salesman mentality. I kind of just had this relationship building, um, wanted to get to know people, wanted to get to know their families, their business, what made them tick. And I think that um, over time, I learned that people are buying you as much as they're buying the entity you're representing. So they're trusting you with money. They're investing money with you to make it work on their behalf. So you have to have this relationship and this trust. And I just cool. enjoyed getting to know people. And again, kind of sitting down and strategizing. I'm a marketer at heart. I always say I'm a marketer, not a salesperson. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm trying to figure out strategies to help people grow their business and leverage the greater good. You know, today it's it's the Royals, you know, and how do they tie themselves to um, our brand and the crown logo and creating brand preference for people if they are going to be uh, in the in the market to, uh, for wireless services, we want them to shop at Sprint Absolutely. because they support their hometown team. That's yeah. ultimately what we're selling. Yeah. And I enjoy that, that thought process of um, revenue generation and extending brand and helping people grow their business. So for me, it was always about relationship building and not really about sales. But that consultative approach that I learned in that sales training early on from Learfield has really, you know, carried through for me. Um, because I sit in meetings and you, you were, have to remind yourself that um, you're there to help, you know, move their business along. And it's not just about, you know, selling an outfield wall sign. Totally. Um, it's not transactional. You know, we do, we do sell radio spots as well through the Royals Radio Network. So there are some things that feel a little more transactional from a national basis. But for the most part, our, our relationships are, you know, having at least one or two touches a month with all of our partners, getting them networked and engaged. So I, I enjoy bringing people to bat together and, and growing their business. It's so good. That's so good. I love it, man. It's absolutely super, super good. So you've walked this path. You've gone all these different places. Um, beyond like the sales foundational piece and, and the relational components, what are some maybe daily behaviors or what, like give us a peek under the curtain, so to speak, around like how are you wired? What motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? And, and if someone were to kind of backtrack your your success and the different promotions and different opportunities you had, like, what would you be able to attribute some of those to? Yeah, I would say a foundational core, um, you know, I had a brother that passed away when I was 11 years old. Oh, man. Um, he was 19, just came back from the military, was in the Marines, was oh, kind gosh. of getting his life going, mm -hmm. just, you know, got back and... I learned at an early age, very young, that life is very, very fragile, mm -hmm. that you get one chance at life. And this whole kind of sports path that I've been on and thinking back to that kid from Hutchinson, Kansas mm -hmm. that grew up going to games, I, for me, it was about 
one wanted to make him proud. So um, he had uh, life insurance money uh, when he passed away that went into my college fund. So I was mm-hmm. the first person from my family to graduate from college wow. because I had this opportunity, you know, a terrible tragedy, a loss of life, but had these dollars. And my parents, you know, pulled me aside at 11, 12 years old and were like, hey, you're going to have this money to go to college. We're setting this aside. So from that moment on, it clicked with me. I think it was divine intervention. I really do. Mm, I think that sure. something spoke to me and said, you need to do something with your life and you're going to be given this opportunity and don't squander it. So from that day forward, I was pretty motivated to figure out, you know, where I was going to college, what I was going to do. Um, and kind of built that foundation of how I'm wired. So how I'm wired is, yeah. you know, trying to get up every day and enjoy life um, and, and live it to the fullest because you just don't know if you have tomorrow, you know, and I think um, that's fueled me. I think, you know, um, I had got to work at Oklahoma for a few years, and Kelvin Sampson once said that, um, you know, there's two things in life you can impact, and that's your attitude and your effort. Mm. And I think if you work hard and you've got a great positive attitude, most of the rest of the stuff in life will yeah. kind of fall in line. You know, I think um, you, you certainly have to um, – be diligent with staying on top of, you know, the latest trends and news and reading sports business journal every day and talking to mm-hmm. people in the business. I've got a, um, a call group of about 12 guys in our business that I, that we have a monthly call. Cool. So those types of things where I'm staying engaged in what's going on in our business. But, um, so I think you have to continue to push and educate yourself, but those foundational things for me have always been about, you know, life is really short and, and having those, you know, kind of lofty goals of wanting to work in college athletics and then, you know, working for the Royals. Um, so I kind of look back on it, and, and if I would say that my brother said he was proud of me, mm. then I think that I've done a, a pretty good job. Man. And, you know, family, we're talking about family. Um, I've always had this picture in my mind that I wanted my daughter to be proud of bringing people mm. over to our house. Mm. Sounds kind of, you know, a little crazy. But I always, uh, when I was working at Oklahoma, Learfield, I had, uh, as a screensaver, this kind of dream vision of a house that, that I was, you know, this is what I'm working for every day. And yeah. someday I want my family to be proud of what they, what they can yeah. call home. And so, um, if I've got those two things, man, I'm in, I'm in a pretty good spot. And man, that's so powerful, man. I, I just, as you were telling that story, I, I was thinking about your parents as they endured such heartbreak and tragedy and suffering, quite frankly, and I'm sure grief and all the things that sh- they had to go through, but then to have the foresight and the, just the, the, yeah, foresight and, and the ability to speak into your life with this kind of visionary, like, hey, you've got this opportunity as, as a result of such tragic heartbreak, right? But that they had the ability to kind of speak into your life. I'm, I, I can't even imagine what that was like for them. Yeah, it was, um, you know, obviously, uh, I, you know, we, we both have kids, right? So now I've got a different appreciation. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was a brother. Now I think about it as, you know, having a child, mm-hmm. And going through that. So if my parents are proud of how I've, you know, they've set this money aside for me to go to college and do those things, then, then, you know, I've, I feel like I've, I've lived a pretty good life already. Absolutely, man. So, so you, you talked a little bit about Ava, your 11 year old, yeah. like, tell us about her, what stop in the journey did she enter the picture? And, and then maybe more than that, um, we, we certainly want to hear about that. But as, as we all know, who've worked in the sports world, that especially in baseball, you've got 81 dates on the calendar that are that are not at your discretion or your your control, um, not to mention evening events and away trips and different things. So how have you and Susan kind of throughout the years and these different stops, like how have you continued to survive in advance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, so. I'll go back real quick to a quick story. When I was at Wichita State, I had just gotten my first full time job at TCU. 
um, and had a, a strange connection. Our director of uh, ticket operations, um, uh, Bob, who's now working at OU, weird circle of life, but he's now working for my former boss at Oklahoma. This is how this, oh, yeah. this business works. <laughs> yep. So he made a call on my behalf at TCU and I ended up getting a full-time job there in marketing and kind of a pseudo marketing and sales job. And I remember Susan and I were dating, you know, I think four or five years probably at that point. Yeah, four or five years. Okay. And I called her and I said, here's how our life's going to go. You know, I'm going down this path of college athletics. It's going to be long hours, very low pay. I'm barely probably going to be able to pay my rent. You know, like this is this is the guy. I'm just painting a picture for you. And, and someday I'm going to remind you of this conversation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but I said, you know, there's going to be some sacrifices along the way. We're probably going to have to move to different cities, get different experiences. And that means you're going to have to probably sacrifice in your career. But if you're in, I'd love you to be in with me. Um, if you want to go on this journey, this is where I'm going. And she said, absolutely. You know, I'm in. So you have to have that. Now I've reminded her of that conversation a few times <laughs> over the years. Um, you agreed but, to it, Susan, but, remember? Yeah. But she has been a tremendous, my biggest cheerleader, my biggest support system of, you know, we all have times where you go home at night and you're like, what am I going to do in my career? Yeah. Where's this path? Am I, are we supposed to go and do this? And I say we, because it's a team effort oh, yeah. absolutely. and we've made these moves around the country before we had a chance to come back home. And so I'm very fortunate to have, you know, a great support system. Um, and, you know, the Ava story, which is is pretty unique. So um, from TCU, I went to Oklahoma, worked there for three years, uh, Sooner Sports Properties with Learfield, Eric Barnhart, who's still the GM there. I was uh, just texting with him over the weekend. Um, we had this um, tradition on opening football Saturday to go to the 7-Eleven by our house. I'd ride into the game with him. We'd awesome. load up on stuff. And so I text him every opening Saturday. I'm like, you hitting 7-Eleven? Awesome. He sent me a text back. And he's like, Saturday. He's like, well, actually, we're playing Houston on Sunday. But anyway, so I worked there for three years and then uh, ended up going to South Carolina. I had a great opportunity to be the general manager at a, at a pretty young age um, to go and run sponsorship for the Colonial Center, which is, I would say, it's like the Sprint Center of okay. Columbia. But the uh, college basketball, so South Carolina plays there. So it's a special event center, but also um, hosts those games. So ran basically sponsorship for the athletic department, um, but also managed the naming rights and suite sales cool. for the Colonial Center. So we um, we were there in 2000, January 2007, KU come, came to play South Carolina. Lou Perkins was the AD at the time. And Scott Ward, Scooter, who is um, in uh, academic advisement at KU and is still there, was okay. one of my teachers when I was at KU, wow. which is a random story. So they're there, and I thought, I'm going to go by and introduce myself because they had a box and said, I'm just, hey, I'm a Jayhawk. I'm going to go by and say hello. If you guys need anything when you're here, just let me know. And so I go by and introduce myself to Lou, and I'm talking to Scooter, and, and Lou looks at me, and he says, well, you realize the, the GM uh, for ESPN just left like hmm. six weeks ago, we're actually looking for somebody to fill that role. He's like, just hearing about your background, you're a KU guy, would you be interested in that? Complete you know, random wow. chance that we happen to be playing KU in South Carolina in the building that I worked at. Um, and so we, you know, I came back, uh, interviewed for the job like six weeks later. And, uh, you know, at the time landed what I thought was probably my dream job of sure. coming to work for your alma mater, Absolutely. Uh, you know, running the corporate partnership program. And so um, at that, at that time we'd been trying to have, um, kids for about a year and a half mm. and was kind of a challenge and we're like, yeah. okay, where's this going? And we, you know, probably going to have to go, uh, talk to some doctors and figure out what's going on. And so I accepted the KU job two days later, we found out we were pregnant with Ava. Two days, two days, Come on, man. two days later. It was crazy. You know, it was, uh, and I talked about divine intervention before, but it was almost like I, I was 
supposed to go out on this path and get experience at these other schools and do all these things, you know, have a chance to come back home, work for my alma mater, and then we're pregnant, oh. you know, with Ava. So I moved back, um, so and uh, we, we just, you know, it was a lot of our friends are here. My, you know, my mom's in Wichita. My dad and, and stepmom now live in Olathe, which is great. They live yeah. a mile from us. But yeah. it was a chance to come back home. But at the same time, we were able to start our family at that time. So Ava's known no different other than so living good. in Kansas City. Um, but she often asks us, so, so you lived in Oklahoma and, and Dallas, you know, when you worked at TCU and South Carolina. So uh, we were very blessed and fortunate. I think it was the right time for us to have a family and come back and have a support system, as you talked about the number of hours that you work, um, and certainly, you know, being the general manager and managing a staff, you know, um, can be up to 80 hours a week sometimes oh, yeah. during football and basketball oh, yeah. season. So having that foundational support of, of family and understanding, you know, what we're what we're doing in this crazy sports life um, is critical. So so good, man. That's so good. What a, a neat deal. So you've been at the Royals now how long? Uh, this is my sixth season. I just celebrated my five-year anniversary two weeks ago. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's a cool story. You started in 14, kind of right when the playoffs were happening, right? If I remember correctly, like, wasn't uh, – maybe I'm making this up, but wasn't your first day, like, the wild card game? When um, Salvi hit it down the – I was a little bit before that. Okay. So okay. I, I joked with people at the time. I think we were maybe a, a game above 500 or a game below 500 when I took the job. It was, um, it was around mid – mid-July, because I started wow. mid-August. Okay. And so everybody's like, oh, you jumped on the bandwagon, you know, which I was very fortunate. I started in August of 14. and You should be like, man, I started the bandwagon. I'll leave that to Dayton. <laughs> yeah, he started the bandwagon. Um, but, yeah, I was, you know, at the time I was at KU and had some advancement opportunities, um, you know, within IMG to do some regional things and to start traveling. And I was like, eh, I'm not sure if I want to go yeah. down the travel path. We you know, Ava was, I guess, five, let's see, six at the time. Um, so pretty young and just thought, I'm not sure I want to go down yeah. that path. And, um, but certainly could stay at KU and, and as a small role, I referenced Jason Kramer, who's on our staff at the Royals. So he was on my team at KU. He left to go to the Royals two years before I came. Okay. Megan Mackey, who's uh, on our sales team, was an intern for me at KU. She went to go work for Texas with IMG. So they were both at the Royals. And when the job came open, they both texted and called me and said, hey, you should at least just come and listen. Come listen. You know, yeah. I know you're at KU and I know you like what you're doing, but there's some good things going on here. I think you should at least just come and listen. And, you know, great advice. I went and met with, you know, our leadership and, and ownership group uh, that day and um, called my wife on the way home. And I said, I don't know, but for whatever reason, something's telling me this is what we should go and do. Awesome. Um, and you could kind of feel the momentum and the energy in the building just in that half a day that mm -hmm. I was there that people were like, you know, you could see that it was it was starting to rise. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you saw the Moose and Hosmer, everybody was was up and they were playing well. You, you were on the cusp of, you know, you could just kind of feel like something was coming. I don't think anybody guessed mm -hmm. that it was going to be back to back World Series. But see, so yeah, I started in August of 14 and became the smartest sales and marketing guy. Absolutely. <laughs> But, ti but timing is everything in this business, right? So um, it's been a tremendous opportunity for me. I remember um, I was about four or five weeks on the job, and I was sitting in a room full of people, Kathy Nelson, Sports Commission, um, uh, uh, city commissioners, people planning a parade. And I looked around, and I'm like, how did I get to this point? That's awesome. You know, and at that point, you have to start thinking ahead sure. and planning and doing all those things. And it was probably uh, a little bit of a blessing from from that perspective that we maybe 
uh, waited a year to win. Feet short. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> because I'm not sure we were we were quite ready. We had you know built the plan and had you know the the uh, the, the parade was ready to go. And Kathy and I remember talking to her when we were in San Francisco for for the games. And we're I'm you know on the phone with her about every 30 minutes because we helped you know fundraise from a corporate partnership standpoint to help alleviate the cost for the city. And, you know, tying in all of our corporate partners. And I'm literally like eight weeks on the job at that point thinking, how am I, you know, involved in planning a, a parade, you know? Awesome. Um, so it was, it's a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, fast forward to 15 and we were able to dust the manual off from 14 and we're probably in a much better position that, you know, a lot of things were already in place and yeah. kind of ready to go. But uh, it's been fun to say that, you know, on my resume now, I've planned the largest party in Kansas City history. Help plan. I was Absolutely. just one of the liaisons from, from the organization to, to help uh, put that together. But a lot of fond memories now being on the Sports Commission board with Kathy. Um, there probably isn't a meeting that doesn't go by every once in a while. We just kind of look at each other and smile and like, that was pretty fun. That's all. Yeah. So so from from the fan perspective, you know, not, we've got kids and we have a, one, one son, four daughters. And I don't think there was one baseball game of at the time he was six or seven also. But Everybody wanted to be Haas. Everybody wanted to be Salvi. Everybody wanted to be Moose. And the, the kids would literally call out by position what number they would wear on their jersey. So, so from a fan perspective and kind of the family side, I experienced what that did for the city. And obviously, like, the big culmination in the picture that is, is in everyone's mind is 600,000, 800,000 people at Union Station all dressed in blue. Um, what that do, though, from – from your perspective, like how, how did you feel like from a stewardship of a city that you guys were, were part of something that was truly transformative in people's lives? Yeah, I don't, I don't think at the time we really probably understood and I'm sure I, it probably will take 20 years or so for it to really sink in when I'm, you know, sitting in the rocking chair someday and, and reflecting back. But, um, I think that at that moment you're just living on adrenaline. Um, you know, you're just, you know, hey, we're trying to plan this parade. And you could tell, obviously, when you're at those playoff games that, you know, what it did for the city. And everybody oh. was up till 1 or 2 in the morning, right? You'd watch totally. the games, and you're probably with friends and family. And then, you know, you'd get up the next day and be like, all right, here we go again. Yep. We're ready to go tonight. And we, we felt that. But then we heard so many of our our fans and partners um, talk about that same feeling, this, you know, month long of just, you know, cheering and being exhausted, but, you know, over the top, excited. Um I think what was one of the coolest things is it put Kansas City on not just a, you know, uh, a bigger stage in the United States, but in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a World Series and people are paying attention. And you remember those flashback pictures of Power and Light District and oh. um, what it meant, you know, to this city um, was I don't I don't think anybody ever anticipated, um, you know, how, what the outcome was. You know, per perfect day for weather on the parade day. It was 72 and sunny. I mean, you couldn't have really drawn it up any better. You know, you, you it got pushed to the brink in 14 and we're right there. Come back in 15 and win it. You know, 30 years for, you know, this city to experience a championship like that. I think it was, you know, it was a, a perfect storm of things that came together. But one thing we talk about with our national partners is, you know, we don't have beaches or mountains here. Um, Unfortunately, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are days when you wish maybe they were a little closer. Right. Um, but this is what people do here. We're, yeah. we're not distracted by other things. People care about their sports. Um, when you wear the logo on your chest, it's your family crest. We all identify with that. Yep. And I think that's what spoke to me about coming mm -hmm. to work for the Royals. Um, and I still obviously am heavily engaged in KU and Alumni Association and, and sports management program. But what I've appreciated about selling 
uh, this brand is that everybody's a Royals fan. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a Royals. Doesn't matter. You went, you know, yeah. Mizzou, KU, K State, whoever right. it is. Yep. It's you're part of a city and you're all in it together. I like that feeling and not you know where you kind of feel a little bit more uh, separated in the college space. Um, so I've I've enjoyed. You know, I've said I've made a lot of good. Uh, Missouri friends yeah. working at the Royals because <laughs> we're all on the same page. We're sitting here together, man. <laughs> exactly. It's a, the unifying factor. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. That's cool. So where were you physically on the day of the parade? Like what was your, what were your eyes looking? What were you doing? Yeah. So I remember, um, so we flew back that night um, after we were in New York for game five. So speaking of the glass family, very generous. They mm-hmm. allowed us uh, uh, each person in the front office got to bring a guest um, cool. to New York. So they flew everybody out stayed, you know, hotel, um, just a great experience. Um, but we're, you know, planning the parade. I remember talking to Kathy, I referenced the San Francisco discussions the year before, but I was, um, my wife wasn't able to go. She was the room mom. So this tells you about the support system, right? Oh man. She was the room mom for Halloween. So it was Halloween week, you know, oh, that that's week. right. Yeah. So she's like, I can't go to New York with you. Priorities, man. And I looked at her. I'm like, this is the World <laughs> Series. Do you understand? And she's like, this is Ava's Halloween. Do you understand? You know, and so it kind of hit me where I was like, okay, I got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so she stayed behind as the room mom for Halloween. Didn't go to New York. So I got That's to take uh, my one of my best friends with me. Um, Ian Mamigay got to go on the trip and the front office was great. They were like, hey, we get it. You have a family obligation great thing about the glass family which we'll probably come back to is understanding you know the role that families have in the life of baseball um and so i was sitting um we were on a ferry um going out by a statue of liberty in new york with one of my best friends you know uh in my wedding grew up since second grade together got to experience this whole thing and i'm talking to kathy about planning the parade we had just won game four the night before so we're up three one Felt pretty good about things, right? You're like, we've got one more here, but we're going back to Kansas City for two. There's no way this one's getting away from us, right? And we won game four, and it was um, Halloween night and had a great time. But I remember talking to Kathy um, as we were out on this, you know, barge by uh, Statue of Liberty thinking, you know, again, one of those pinch myself moments where I'm like, I think we're planning a parade that's actually going to happen. And I'm sitting here staring at the Statue of Liberty. And I'm like, going back to that small town kid from, from Hutchinson, Hutchinson Kansas. Man. I know. I was like, <laughs> what has happened? You know, where, how did I get to this point? So um, cool. But then, so we flew back after game five, after we won. And I got back, I think at home at like five, maybe five in the morning, five fifteen, something like that, laid down and my phone is just, as you can imagine, uh, I said it on the nightstand. I'm like, I just need like 30 minutes, 45 minutes to close my eyes. Phone's just buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. I look at my wife and I'm like, I just, I've got to go into the office. You know, this is one of those moments where you live on adrenaline. Yep. You just have to figure it out. But this is right in front of us and this, this, this parade's going to happen. And so I remember uh, getting up, going to the office um, early that morning and then going over to the sports commission offices and sitting with their team and a few people on our, our partnership team were there as well, just kind of getting final details together and trying to work back with, you know, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, we had, you know, our partner Chevy was, was involved in yep. getting the vehicles there and we're trying to figure out what players are sitting in what cars and what numbers and what front office people. I mean, we had most of that kind of figured out while we were in New York. We had a lot of meetings during the day of kind of getting these things settled, but until it actually hits, you know, ba- the baseball folks didn't really want to talk about parades until superstition man. It was yeah, there. Absolutely. It's like, now it's here and it's go time. We're like we got to, you know, and they're like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? We're like, yeah, we've, we've been working on this for a little while behind the scenes. So it really came together. And then I remember, um, that morning. So one of the, th- the coolest things was 
the Glass family um, decided they wanted the entire front office to walk in the parade. Mm. And I think that was probably Glass family, um, Dayton and Kevin, our senior vice president. But that tells you what they what they think about people that work there. Cool. And so we um, and the other cool thing is engagement with family. So uh, Susan, Ava and I drove to the stadium. They had um, buses set up. So our families got to ride with us. We had police escorts from Kauffman Stadium to downtown, and you would have thought, you know, the Beatles had arrived That's in Kansas so City. And they didn't care whether you played, you were a player, or whatever. And I just remember um, my daughter holding a Lorenzo Kane head on a stick, you know, <laughs> sitting on the bus, getting ready to go, you know, with the rest of the front office and their families down to the, down to the parade. And so we had a police escort down to downtown, and you could see it like mm. a mile out from downtown that people were already lining the streets, just you know, not even on Grand, but just before and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be this is going to be yeah. big. Like yeah. you just it started to hit you a little bit. Um, and so we got there. They dropped um, the employees for the front office um, off at Sprint Center. So Sprint Center did a great job hosting um, there in the Founders Club. All the front office got to hang out. They had awesome. food and beverage for us. So there's that little um, front area um, that overlooks Grand um, at Sprint Center. So we were all um, sitting out there, you know, um, having a beverage, um, eating some food, 72 degrees. You could, you could see at that point, you know, the fans had, had just, you know, people are hanging out the windows on grand and we were just like permagrin. We were like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is awesome. So we actually got to walk in the parade, which was cool. Um, we were, I think kind of at the beginning of the parade route. So walking with your, you know, people on your team, your partnership team, people I've really only known yeah. for about a year yeah. at that point, a little over a year. Um, but I described it as family that you felt like you had you know, been around for 20 years. Totally. So really fun. Um, like I said, people didn't care if you played, didn't know if you played there or what, you know, you're walking in the middle of a parade and I've still got pictures of just a sea of people and we're walking and it was just, you know, just an awesome, awesome experience. So they dropped us off. Our families got to go down to Union Station and sit out in front of the stage. Love it. So they were sitting there waiting for us as we walked the parade route. We got to Union Station and got to go sit in the stands with our families and watch the whole parade from, you know, Dude. 30 feet away. It was it gives um, me chills, man. one of the best days. And then, but you think about, we were talking about family stuff. And then that night, my, my daughter had a, um, uh, she was kind of starting to get engaged with some acting classes and singing classes. She had a, like a little mini performance that night. So we, <laughs> it's just like snap right back to reality, right? Yep. You leave the parade and we're like, hey, gotta get we, Ava to the dance club. we got to, yep, we got to <laughs> go over there and we're going to go watch her do this. And I'm sitting there, you know, watching there's like 20, 30 parents there and probably half of the people that were there were at the parade too. And you almost had to pinch yourself. Like, did that just happen? That's crazy. And then it's right back into life, you yep. know? Yep. Um, so it was, it was a pretty fun day, fond memories. I've got great pictures, some good, uh, good memories of things in the, uh, in the man cave for sure. That's awesome. Let's do it again in a few years, man. Let's, let's go. Let's go. It's, it's going to be about time. Everybody's ready again, man. So, so let, let's shift if you don't mind real quick to, you've mentioned Kathy Nelson a couple of times. You've mentioned this kind of greater good around Kansas City and the community. What what kind of stuff are you involved with from a community perspective? Obviously, your your job is super cool and and very impactful. And I think is you've you've stewarded that responsibility so well. And I think everybody can respect that. Tell us about non work, but kind of community Kansas City type stuff that you're involved in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, good advice. Um, probably the best advice I get is from my wife. But when I when we decided to take the KU or leave KU to take the Royals job, she said, you don't have to leave KU. You just got to find other ways to stay involved. Cool. She's like, it's not going anywhere. The university's 
30 minutes away. Yep. And so uh, I got plugged in with the KU Alumni Association and uh, actually just rolled off as the president of the board for the Kansas City chapter cool. um, this last year. And so we do a ton of fundraising events in Kansas City. We do uh, Rock Chalk Ball. I call it the adult prom. Uh, it's a big <laughs> fundraising event for alumni association. That's weird. I've never gotten invited to that. Man. That's weird. <laughs> well, maybe next year. It's, it's, it's coming up. I'll get you, get you the invite. Um, and then we do a bunch of um, community activities, just kind of getting Jayhawks together, uh, volunteer work. Um, we usually pick a couple different um, things around town that we get engaged with in volunteer hours. Um, the Jayhawk Career Network is a big uh, pl mentoring platform that they launched um, a little over a year ago. Um, so that's been kind of my focus through the cool. Alumni Association is, um, as we talked about, I had a lot of mentors along the way helping me. Um, and so I want to be able to give that back to kids. So one thing I'm passionate about is, working with um, kids that are either in high school or college and trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, yeah. whether that's a career in sports or not. Um, so it's actually, there's an online portal now that you can get matched up with um, students who are interested in marketing. So they'll put profile, professional profiles up. They can inbox, uh, message you and say, hey, can we set up a call to talk? So that's something I've been passionate about is helping that's build cool. this Jayhawk career network. Um, because I think, you know, big schools get a knock on, you get lost in the shuffle, right? And going to small schools, you're going to have this, you know, one-on-one -on -one attention and we've got these great alums. Well, think about how many people went to Missouri or KU. I mean, totally. the alums are there. You just maybe aren't as engaged engaged all the time in details, but if you can connect them back, Smart. which is, I think what they're doing is creating, you know, this small ecosystem environment for people to be able to get, you know, good advice and mentorship. And so I've had five or six calls or meetings and kids will call and they'll be like, I can't believe I'm talking to somebody that works at the Royals. And I have <laughs> flashbacks of me being that kid. Oh, for you sure, know? man. And so trying to pay that forward, you know, is important to me and being engaged with the Alumni Association here in Kansas City has, done, has allowed me to do that. I just joined the Sports Management Board, Jordan Bass, and, and cool. uh, Sports Management Program. I actually was an adjunct professor for three years when I worked at KU and taught the sports marketing class you know, in my free time yeah, at eight o'clock in the morning when do you um, do this, bro? <laughs> and preparing all, you know, Sunday nights for it. My oh, wife man. is looking at me like, what, if, what are you doing? You know? Um, so I've enjoyed, you know, that part of giving back. And then, um, the sports commission role, I remember, um, uh, my boss, Mike Busick, um, at the Royals, our vice president of yeah. business development and marketing and Kevin Ulick, um, asked me and they just said, Hey, you know, you've got, you know, relationship here with Kathy, you guys worked on the board or the parade together. And um, we've known each other a long time since Kathy was back at Metro Sports and Time Warner Cable when I was at KU. And so we've always kind of stayed in touch. And um, they just said, hey, if this is something you'd be interested, we'd love to have you go and do this. And I thought that was such a cool thing that, um, you know, most of the people in that room are probably a few levels above me from a, you know, a title and what they've done in their life. And so I, I was very um, honored that Mike and Kevin thought that, you know, it would be, um, it'd be appropriate for me to be engaged and involved in the board. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, Got engaged with the, the WIN program, uh, WIN for KC. Um, so obviously my daughter plays soccer, and I'm a big proponent of what um, sports has done in my life, you know, teamwork. Totally. Um, I, I was a sixth man on the bench in high school. Like I was, you know, just the guy that came in was like, they needed to steal some minutes energy defensively. Guy. Yeah, me too, bro. Yeah, energy. <laughs> I could make some open jumpers, and that was, that was my, I knew yep. my role. But I yep. was also a captain on the team, which I thought was kind of cool that not being a starter, that you can still have a leadership role. Absolutely. So I think for me, it ingrained some of those leadership traits and qualities. And I already see it with her and club soccer, you know, being dedicated to something and a couple practices a week and tournaments and all those things that 
that I think we'll build on for her. But uh, Camp Win is a is a great uh, camp that they have in summers, where girls can go and get exposed to you know uh, other sports. So I remember Ava coming home and saying, "I got to wrestle today." Nice. And, um, I got to play rugby today and those kind of things I thought was really cool because you kind of just are like, oh, soccer, volleyball, you kind of get them in the usual stuff. And I think it kind of opened her mind. The other thing I really like is that through Camp Win, they've got um, mentors there too, so high school kids. So I think it's a chance for um, younger girls to look up and say, mm-hmm. gosh, I can play high school sports and I get to know um, these different kids and Kathy Nelson's daughter, Hannah, um, actually is, has babysat for us quite a bit and she was involved in camp win. And now when she comes back from, you know, break or whatever, she'll call Ava and they'll go to lunch that's and cool. those kind of things. And so she's an only child. And I think that's been a really cool thing for her to have and see some, some older mentors and, and people. And she's always asking like, what's up with Hannah? What's she doing at K-State? You know? And so, um, <laughs> it goes a little You're bit, like, you can't go to K-State. You gotta go to KU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's all friendly. You know, I just say uh, if, uh, if that's her passion, she wants to go do something, then K-State's got a good program, great. But um, so for me, I guess going back to the sport, long story short, Kathy and I have had a long, uh, a good relationship, and I think there's, you know, a good trust factor there. Certainly having um, somebody from each major sports entity in town on the sports commission board is something she was passionate about to make sure that there was a voice and that she could, you know, lean on people to help as she's kind of navigating, bringing events to Kansas city and, and trying to shine a bigger spotlight, um, on Kansas city from a sports perspective. So, um, those are kind of the things outside the Royals I'm engaged with, um, for the most part. What's, um, what are some of the big wins from the sports commission the last year, year or so? Um, well, I would say obviously keeping the big 12 tournament, yeah. um, this, you know, it's been a staple here forever. I, I, um, I think I've missed one big 12 tournament since I was eight years old. Awesome. So, um, I used to come up, my dad lived in Kansas. The city, city. of Ames has not missed a big 12 tournament no, either. The entire city, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, and so I, uh, <clears throat> I grew up going to games and my, uh, my stepmom's brother, my uncle, um, worked for Conoco Phillips and always had access to tickets. Nice. And now I get to pay it forward a little bit with Royals tickets yep. um, to help him out, and they get they get to come to games. But um, so I grew up going. So I think that was a huge win, you know, for Kansas City to keep that here for the foreseeable future. Um, <clears throat> obviously, um, you know, in the mix for World Cup twenty twenty six. Yep. Announced, you know, the draft is NFL, NFL draft, draft is yeah, coming to Kansas City, which is huge. Um, so our neighbors across the street, um, you know, I, we, I firmly believe all boats rise together here. Um, we all know each other. I know when you, when you work there too, um, you know, I, I think we've got great relationships amongst yeah. the sports entities in town, which I think is pretty unique, um, that we really are here to help each other. Um, so yeah, I think there's been, you know, a few good wins there. Um, the Kansas cool. city marathon, Dave Borcher, I don't know if you know Dave that runs the marathon, but they had, you know, record, um, record attendance last year, record revenues. He's doing a phenomenal job with, you know, partnerships and kind of helping on the side. He'll call me every once in a while. And it's one of my roles on the board is to help, uh, navigate partnerships or maybe make some connections for him. Um, and, uh, so that's been fun to see those things grow, but Kathy's doing a tremendous job. She's been, she was named national sports commission director of the year last year in the United States. How about that? So I didn't know that. We that's are very awesome. fortunate to Absolutely. have um, very strong, very strong leaders here in Kansas city in the sports world. So good. It's so good, man. We're, we're just so tickled to have you on the show, man. A, a few, few things as we kind of close, if you were looking back on your own life, so 18 year old kid just graduated Hutch as the sixth, sixth man and captain of the basketball team. Right. <laughs> um, if you wrote a letter to that guy, 
what what components would be in that letter? What would you kind of say is, hey, I'm I'm 17, 18 years into the business now. Looking back, what would you what would you tell younger version of Jason Booker? Um, I would say there's a plan. I think when you're going through it, you never really know if, you know, you have it kind of put together in your head, but you're not sure how it's actually what the outcome's going to be. So I would look back and probably say, um, stress a little less, maybe, Yeah. you know, because um, it's been a journey and a path to get here, but it hasn't been without, you know, some challenges along the way. Um, but know that, you know, you just got to meet those challenges and overcome them. But looking back, if I would have known then what I know now, you know, I, I think I'd be, you know, thrilled with where, you know, the, my career's ended up, my family, very blessed and fortunate to have a great family and in a great city. So I think, you know, stress less and, you know, enjoy the ride. You know, there's times where maybe um, you kind of get in the minutia of working in sports mm. and it is still a job, right? Sure. There's yeah. revenue goals, there's yep. budgets pressure. to meet, there's yeah. pressure, there's, you know, you're, um, it's a very visible job because um, it's the Royals, right? Yeah. Or it's KU or it's the Chiefs, you know, people that work yeah. in sports. Um, because when you're in those C-level meetings, you're meeting with the business leaders in Kansas City. So there's pressure to make sure you're representing the organization the right way. There's pressure to represent your family, you know, the right way and those kind of things. So that, that goes along with it. But um, I think, yeah, I think less stress and, you know, enjoy the ride. I love it. So good. So, so uh, let's say that same question to someone that you're mentoring at the Jayhawk Mentoring Network or – somebody who's calling you going, Hey man, I want to be you when I grow up. How do I get into the sports world? Like what, what business advice or life advice would you give someone like that? Um, I always say try and get as much experience as you can early on. Um, I think so many times kids get out of college with a degree and they're just, okay, I got my degree. This is what I was supposed to do. Where's my job? Where's the six figure gig? Yeah. Where's it at? <laughs> it's they're waiting for me, right? Where do I, where do I go pick what job I want? That's right. You know, maybe I had that mentality, just, you know, again, small town kid who didn't know anything or like, yeah, you get a degree and they just write you checks and this is how it goes. Right. Um, so I always tell kids, you know, one, um, get as much experience as you can. I referenced, you know, working in the athletic department for three years, um, as a student that gave me a leg up on those entry level totally. jobs. So when I was out interviewing, I basically already had three years experience. I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I still had obviously a lot to learn, but I had a good foundation and background, people on my reference list that would vouch for me. So that was huge. And I think also, you know, getting engaged in community activities. I say that what separates, it's not just doing the bare basics to get into sports. It's what else are, are you a well-rounded individual that's going to bring something to the organization or to the table or our department that is different than just closing corporate sponsorship deals? Totally. So, so, so for those that don't know, like, let's say, Hopefully this doesn't happen. Jason Kramer leaves and he goes and gets some big gig. How many people would apply for his job? If you posted that, roughly speaking, like generally speaking, how, how, what's the competition for a job like that? I would say, um, at his, so he's, he's a director level, um, a director of sales. I would anticipate we'd probably get 150 to 200 resumes. Um, and legitimately, probably half of those, I would say, are have, you know, some experience in sports yeah. or some sales where you probably at least need to think, okay, is this in this pile or that pile? But you can't call 80 people, yeah. right? So you're trying to get through one, it's, it's who you know business, right? Yep. So if yep. people are calling on somebody's behalf saying, you've got to talk to this person, yep. he, he or she would be an awesome addition to your organization. That goes a long ways. Um, the community aspect, what else are, have you done outside of this, this job function that you're going to bring to the table? Are you well-rounded? Um, you know, I always look for the right fit too. Sometimes, you know, we can't have five sellers that think the same way yeah. and have the same background 
background. So looking for diverse backgrounds, we might have somebody that has more of a pro sports background, or we've got three people on our team that sold in college. I may not want to bring another college person in just yep. because it's, you know, trying to get the right mix. And then it comes down to, you know, when you're interviewing those three or four people, either in person or over the phone, it comes down to personality fit mm -hmm. too is, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, how, you know, how, you know, if your first day on the job, how would you tackle this? Those kind of questions sure. just to see how they react and, and, you know, learn about them and their family, what drives them, what's important to them. Is it a good fit overall? So I think that the experience and all that stuff is you got to have the foundation of that. But the next level things, as you know, is, you know, I think is community engagement, um, and, you know, connections in the business, um, people that are willing to vouch for you. As I said before, you're your own personal brand. I never call people that are on their reference list. I mean, have you ever <laughs> put somebody in your reference list <laughs> that's, that's right. going to say something bad about you? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I haven't. I can promise nope. you. But I can look at their LinkedIn profile and find probably 10 or 15 people that we have mutual connections with. And maybe on the fringe of somebody that I can call who probably knows them or knows somebody who they've worked for and get the real story. I love it, man. It, to, to sum up what I'm hearing you say, it's like it, all the way back to how you started in the business. It has to start with trust. It has to start with relationship and it has to start with you being somebody that people, you, you've given value, you've provided value, you've added, you haven't subtracted, you haven't taken, you've given um, a, a lot. I, we, we talk a lot to our, our kiddos, you know, our oldest is 15, she's a sophomore and and it's not this like fear mentality thing, but it is like, hey, everything you do in this digital landscape has a footprint to it. And at some point, a guy like Jason Booker, you're going to apply for a job with the Royals and he's going to say, cool, of course, you've got these three people listed as references. Who else knows you? What, what do you know about this person? How, how does he or she interact in the community? What are they involved in? Do they serve or do they just do this and that? Right. And, and to, to, to literally then be able to trace back to, to an Instagram account or to a Facebook account or to some other digital footprint. Like what are we, to, I mean, you nailed it, man, from yeah. a personal brand perspective. I just talked about that with the group I mentioned that was out of the K yesterday. Um, first thing I do is um, look at LinkedIn profiles. We, we sort of joke internally that we have a Facebook stocking unit inside our corporate partnership team when we're looking to hire people. <laughs> It's true. Absolutely. That people want to know, hey, are they, you know, what's important to them? Are they, you know, have they made some derogatory comments about Absolutely. the organization in the last year? Are they just super fan that wants to come work for the Royals? Those kind of things you kind of have to weed through and find out. And it is all in a digital footprint. It takes you less than 10 minutes to find out five or six pretty good nuggets about somebody. Totally. Either a Google search or through social or Instagram or Twitter. You know, yeah, you're, you you nailed it. Uh, digital footprint is a great way of putting yeah. it. And there's, you can't erase it. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, the last story, and then we'll wrap up. I know you you got to run, man. Yeah. But when I was at the Chiefs, we had a gentleman, mutual connection, good guy, well respected, neat network. Applied for a job, and then he starts texting me like, "Hey, would you pay attention to this resume? I would love to have a shot at this gig." And first thing I did, I went and checked his Twitter. And the Chiefs had lost. This was like on a Monday or Tuesday. And the Chiefs had lost the day before. That was the year we went 2-14. and 14, So it wasn't super fun. But his Twitter was filled with F the, F the coach. This guy sucks. This quarterback's no good. And, I'm, and so I, I texted him back. I said, hey, man, let's, let's talk next Monday after you see what happens with the game this Sunday. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, 
Oh, I just read your Twitter, so I was, you know, confused by why you want to work for this organization so bad. If this is how you're treating them publicly, <laughs> it's classic. And 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 again, it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and there's a difference. A lot of people want to work for these organizations that are fans, but it's it's a different deal. Totally. Um, and you can't turn those things on and off. And if you're going to represent the organization the right way, um, you know, we want to make sure it's it's you know, the right person. So that's, that's an interesting story. I'm sure we probably all have some of those we could share. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, let's wrap up here, man. We, we do this every show. We call it our speed story closing. So it's five questions that we ask everybody. So here we go. What is the last book you read? Um, or listen to if you're an audio guy. Grit. I don't know if you've heard about the book. I haven't. Grit. Angela Duckworth. Okay. Phenomenal. Really? It's uh, basically, uh, I think trying to sum it up is the, um, unwritten trait of grit and actually our in elementary school they started talking about this last year with Ava's teacher said we actually have a grit scale now which means are they able to work through problems love it um and are they able to overcome you know adversity in small ways right a math problem or something but they they actually have grit scales now because it's that intangible of trying to you know what can you do beyond your SAT ACT scores that you know has this work ethic behind it it's a great great book so good She's got a small little TED talk too, which is a, a shorter version, five, six minutes. Really cool. Boom. Love it. Love it. What would you do right now if you weren't afraid? Um, I would probably jump out of a plane. You probably get that a lot. Um, skydiving. I'm definitely afraid of heights. I don't mind flying, but definitely afraid of heights. And if I wasn't, I'd love to jump out of a plane, but I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. What's one thing if people knew about you that they would think, man, that's weird or kind of awkward, or I can't believe he would do that. Um, well, this will be a shameless plug for one of our partners, but when we go on vacation, I go and get two breakfast sausage breakfast burritos from McDonald's. Boom. And my wife thinks it's the weirdest thing. I don't know. It's a mental thing where I'm like, and we'll have like a 7 a.m. flight or something. And I'll get up in the morning and go to McDonald's and get breakfast burritos because it's the start of vacation. <laughs> it's a, I've done it for like 15 years now. It's That's probably great. one of the strangest things. But. That's great. That's great. All right. When it's all a little more serious this time, when it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for, bro? Um, I think for me is trying to uh, leave a lasting um, legacy for kids who want to work in sports. Mm. Um, Looking back and seeing, you know, I get comments all the time from former interns or people that worked on various staffs with me or for me um, that um, that's probably the the proudest moments I get when I see actually the sports management board. I just joined. There's a former intern of mine that's on the board with me. That's awesome. It's so cool. And he sent me a LinkedIn message. We kind of don't have each other's cell phones been, you know, 10, 15 years now. And he sent me a note and he's like, I can't believe I'm on this board. This is so fun. And I'm like, it, this is real. I just kind of smiled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, you know, you've done well, this is cool. Um, so that was kind of a, a fun moment. So I think, yeah, leaving a, la- a lasting legacy on the professional side um, for students that want to get into business and in, in the sports business um, is important to me. And then uh, from a family perspective is, you know, just hoping you raise, you know, a good daughter that um, wants to go out and do some good in the world. That's awesome, man. That's so good. All right. Last question. If people want to follow along the Jason Booker personal brand story, where would they, where would they find you? Where would they kind of uh, My digital footprint. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, I admittedly don't post a lot on social media. Um, I'm a little bit more of a reserved, um, unless it has something to do with family or yeah. things like that. But at jbooker123 is Twitter handle. You can join my 41 followers. <laughs> Give a blue check <laughs> I'm kind mark. of a big deal, 41 <laughs> followers. <laughs> um, but uh, I use Twitter as my news feed. I don't post yeah. a lot, but yeah, that's, you know, if you're interested in my retweets. Um, of all the people that I follow that say really cool things. Then so what are what me. are the odds we can get a picture of you and Gubazal with matching mullets to put in the show notes? Oh, absolutely. Boom. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> not ashamed of it at all. All right. Last question that we is not on the list. When is the last time and where did you wear the World Series ring? Because you have it, right? Oh, like, what, where... We didn't even talk about the ring, man. Like, where do you put the ring? Where is it? Uh, the ring's in the man cave. Okay. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had a pretty fortunate... Um, sports career, uh, my friends texted me after the World Series, and they were like, you probably have one of the most amazing ring collections of anyone in Kansas City. So when I took the job at KU, we won the Orange Bowl my oh. first year, national championship the first year. So I have an Orange Bowl and a national championship so ring. ALCS from 14, and yep. a World Series ring in 15. So I've got them in a nice little man cave bar area oh, that's awesome. um, in the basement. But there are times where, you know, if, we, if we're hosting a special event with partners um, or we have a big sales meeting, you know, it's kind of fun to put it on Absolutely. and, and just kind of, you know, it's a good conversation piece. I know the year after we won in 16, you wore it quite a bit, just mostly because you wanted to share it with people. It was more about, they wanted to see it. It wasn't about yourself, but it was, Hey, this is, you know, something I got to be a part of and people wanted to take pictures with it and all those things. And now, you know, I don't wear it as much. And one thing that always stuck with me is that, you know, um, uh, I noticed that you know, Dayton and a lot of our, our baseball operations folks didn't really ever wear their rings in huh. 16. And uh, I remember, I don't know if he told me this directly, but I heard somebody say that it was because they were ready to win the next one. That's awesome. And of I course. thought that was so cool. And so I kind of put my ring away for a month. I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be wearing it either. You know, I, yeah, we're ready for the next one. Um, but yeah, big moments, you know, big meetings, things like that, that we've got at the stadium that, you know, people may want to see it. Um, I still get questions from time to time of like, hey, can you bring your ring to the stadium? And uh, I've got people coming to the game and they want to see it so, so it's cool. pretty cool and I remember going home that night after we got our rings and, uh, and I told the story real quick I want to uh, brag on Dayton too he went around to every table at our ring ceremony and thanked people for what they did wow and our vice president um, of uh, communications on the baseball side Mike Swanson leans over to him and he says just so you know that doesn't happen everywhere Man, such a cool powerful moment didn't so throw good. a pitch or swing a bat and he said thank you for all you did to and, and he said that to everybody. That was, you know, ushers and people that are there at the stadium all the time. That was really cool. But I remember going home that night and telling Ava, no matter how destitute you get, never sell this ring. Absolutely. <laughs> it was that moment of like, this ring's going to be in our family for cool, hundreds man. of years, right? That's they'll so look cool. back and someday the story will evolve that I played for the team. And you Jason know. <laughs> was a lefty reliever, middle inning. Although guy. my digital yeah. footprint would say otherwise. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, 100% chance that. All of Ava's buddies think that she is the coolest dad in the school. And when she comes, when I'm sure when her buddies are in the basement, they get to go look at that ring and think that's way cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Awesome, bro. We're over time, and I'm really grateful for you making the effort to be with us, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, and good luck uh, in podcast world. And go, go Royals. Go Royals. All right, buddy. All right, thanks. Take care. Hey, thanks, y'all. We really appreciate you listening today. We know you have a ton of places to give your attention to so it means the world to us that you would join us if you'd be so kind please leave us a review and subscribe to the show that would be super awesome and a huge thanks to jason booker from the kansas city royals his story is a powerful one 
So until the next show, let your life tell a great story. Thanks for listening.